You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to Episode 10 of Mission Possible, How Everyday Ordinary Christians Become World Changers. Today I want to talk to you about training missionaries in your church. Not necessarily just missionaries to go far away to a strange land, because the word missionary really means the one who is sent. John 20, 21 says that every Christian is a missionary, someone who is sent to share Jesus. John 20, 21 says Jesus speaking says, as the Father sent me in the same way I send you. And the word send and the word sent in the Greek, then translated to Latin, and then shared in English is the word missio, M-I-S-S-I-O, which is the word missionary. Yes, every Christian is a missionary. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, missionaries, by definition, are not necessarily always comfortable. It is a reality that missionaries often have to subordinate their own preferences to the issues and the approaches that work with the people they're trying to reach. Jesus made this clear to his disciples. He said in Luke 10, verse 8, When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. In other words, subordinate your preferences to those that you're trying to reach who might invite you for dinner. I know what this is all about. I've conducted a number of conferences around the world, and I've eaten all kinds of strange things, including in Africa and in Botswana and Southern Africa. The Swana people have a delicacy, and if they really like you, they will offer you an opportunity to have this appetizer, which is, by the way, a Mopani worm. It is a pickled grub, if you know what grubs are. And, um, yep, Jesus said, eat what is set before you. And when I take people on the mission field and they want to go to the local McDonald's <laughs> in the international setting, I tell them, no, we dine with the people we have come to serve. And that's the issue of submission. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone follows me, he must first take up his cross. That is a symbol of submission. And we'll come back to that in a minute. You know, I grew up in churches that had a certain form of worship, a style of worship. 
a liturgical style. It included several instances of the use of Old English words that aren't part of my everyday vocabulary, words like thee and thou and many others, and a structure of liturgical style that goes back centuries to a time when most worshipers were illiterate, and so they had to go through the same thing every week so they could memorize it because they couldn't read. And so the form was very repetitive. That's not necessarily a biblical or theological approach. It was just a necessity when people couldn't read and couldn't follow something printed. Today, repeating the same form, honestly, is boring unless you have somehow subconsciously declared it as sacred, which it isn't. The style is never sacred. So, repeating the form can be boring or, to newcomers, weird, strange, different, not incarnate, that meaning not touching my life, and it doesn't fit the culture, yet it is warm and fuzzy to lifelong believers, and that is the dilemma. You see, for new Christians, foreign or ancient language is a roadblock, and God doesn't call us to communicate that way, and it won't work in our world today. You know, years ago, a communication expert, his name was Marshall McLuhan, he wrote a great book called Understanding Media. You see, media is the plural word for medium. The medium is not the content, but the platform or the container for the content. Now, Marshall McLuhan demonstrated very clearly, and most everybody gets this, who are good communicators, he demonstrated that the media sends a message as much as the content. Effective messages subordinate the preferences of style, and effective messengers subordinate their own comfort, what they're used to, the way we've always done it, in order to speak to the lives of others effectively. There were no, there's nowhere where this is more important than sharing the life-giving truth of Jesus Christ. The best all-time demonstration of this is Jesus, who shows up in the flesh. And he said, Jesus said, Matthew 16, 24, if anyone follows me, 
he must first take up his cross, the burden that he took up, becoming flesh to other people. You know, it might be good to have this conversation with a group. Talk about what would it be like if an unchurched person came to your church? Which preferences of yours would be roadblocks for them? Let's go on and talk more about missionaries. You know, missionaries are often persecuted, sometimes so much that they're rejected and even killed. And that's willingness to accept discomfort for the sake of the mission, helping people to experience Jesus. I want to share with you a very interesting mission teaching. It's about how missionaries operate from what is called a centered set. And you might actually want to draw this out to make sense of it. Let's explore this. I want to start with making a box, like a rectangle. And inside that box... Put three dots, three on the top and three underneath that, inside the box. And that line around those six dots in mission teaching is called a closed set. Uh, this is the issue of a mindset. And it has a lot to do with how we effectively or ineffectively reach lost people. So, a closed set with that line around the three dots basically says, you do it my way or the highway. <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to receive the gospel in the same way that I did as a kid. You've got to learn the language that is foreign to you, but good to me. Now, this, of course, absolutely defies the fact that there have been hundreds of different translations of the Bible to upgrade the language because language changes from time to time. But, of course, there are those people that hang on to the old language because it's a feel-good experience, and that's more important to them than reaching some newcomer who didn't grow up with that language and considers it foreign and therefore considers Jesus foreign. And it doesn't work very well, as you can imagine. And a closed set pretty much moves in the direction, not of Christian faith, but of a cult. My way, no matter how weird, is the highway. But that's not the only way to look at life and communication. There is what's called an open set. In this one, you would draw three dots, but no lines around them. An open set means, oh, there are no boundaries, not even to Christianity. And so, if people become liberal in a secularized nation, we just liberalize the teaching of Christianity. Yeah, you know, if people want to sleep with other people they're not married to, well, we're not going to deal with that. We might offend them. Or the language we use. We're just going to say whatever. 
maybe even four-letter words that aren't even uh, polite in general circles or whatever. We're going to try to sync up with the fads of the day, even though those fads might in Scripture be clearly identified as sin. But we want to accept those people that have those sins. And so we're going to say that's okay. We're going to preach Jesus at you anyway. And so we sync up with the culture. It's called an open set, no boundaries. It's also called syncretism. The idea of syncing up with culture with no respect or very little respect for what the Bible says. Whole denominations have split over these issues. And those that have stuck with syncretism decline over time. It's a proven fact. Now, most people think that there's an either-or decision that has to be made. Either there's an open set or there's a closed set. They never consider the fact that there's a third alternative. And the more you study Jesus and the more you study the Bible and the more you understand the mission of Jesus, the more you will see that the third alternative is the one in Scripture. It's called the centered set. So if you're drawing this one, no lines around it, but instead in the middle of it, draw a cross. And now instead of three dots above and three dots below, put dozens of dots, some above, some to the side, some below, some all, all over around that cross. And some are really close to that cross, and others are a little farther away. Some are even further away, and some are far away. And you might remember that verse in Scripture that Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up on that cross, will draw all people, all kinds of people, unto me. It's called the centered set. And, you know, I've got to tell you, for me, this absolutely turned my life inside out as a missionary. I finally understood. I'm not going to write off people that are Buddhist or Hindus or Muslims. That's not my goal. My goal is to lift high the cross of Jesus Christ. And if people are far, far away, that doesn't matter. God loves them, and I do too. God wants to reach them, and I do too. They're important to God. It may take longer. It may take harder work. But that doesn't mean we have to sacrifice the truth of Scripture, nor does it mean that we're all cloistered in our own little box. It does mean that God wants those people, the lost, to be saved. And that's the New Testament model. It's a centered set. And that revolutionized my life. I hope that it impacts yours. So when we think about 
missionaries, I have another thing that I'd like you to consider as an assignment. Pray about where are you in these different sets, these different approaches, these different lifestyles, and where do you want to be? Pray about that because it is challenging to take that first step toward a centered set. And it has a lot of implications about how we do church. Let's continue talking about the training as missionaries. So when you think about being a missionary to people in your social network who don't know Jesus, what is our mission? That is, what is our purpose? What is the clarity that we have about mission? This is related to our biblical perception, our biblical worldview. As we research this, we, we ask people by great numbers, what do you perceive to be the primary purpose of the church? And we give them four choices and we ask them to choose the best one. Now, this is part of the way that we help churches when we consult congregations. We ask, before we even arrive on site, we ask people to fill out a questionnaire, a survey. It's anonymous so they can be truthful, and they fill it out in church so we get everybody in church. And we've done this with over 2,000 churches. And... This research represents answers from over 500,000 Christians surveyed in worship, those who attend regularly. And so we ask them, what is the primary purpose of your church, the church? And we give them four choices. Number one, is it to teach people? How to Live the Golden Rule? Honestly, we don't get many for that. On average, about 3%. Is it to be the moral backbone of society? No, and honestly, we don't get many of those, 3%. But the next two, number three and number four choice, these are the ones that we want to really know about. The others are put there just as fluff. Number three is the main purpose of the church is to make disciples. If that sounds like something Jesus said, um, yeah, that's the right answer. What's the percentage of responses for that one? Number three, to make disciples? 31%, less than a third of the people. That leads us to number four of the choices. And this one is challenging. Number four says, the primary purpose of the church is to provide a place of fellowship to share God's love with one another. The holy huddle, basically ruling out the mission to reach the lost, the purpose for which Jesus died. And so 61% of the people 
respond to that. And the issue is, it's the holy huddle. And there's another 2% that don't have any answer at all. They're just mystified by the question. Then we ask another issue that would clarify it and give a hint away as to what we're getting at a little more. The word, here's the question, the word mission is best described as, and then it says choose only one of the following four issues. I'm going to start with number two and end with number one. Number two is that the word mission means efforts to share the gospel of Jesus overseas, which, you know, is correct, but there's more to it than that. It's not just to those people over there. It is, but it is to everybody. And in that category, we get 14% among the half a million people that have responded to the survey. Then we have another issue, number three, as a choice, a church needing financial help from other churches. And that hardly draws anybody. That's like less than 1%, 7%.7% of the people answer that one. And yet there are many denominations that call mission churches those that are just starting out, brand new church plants, they're called, and uh, they often need money from some other churches to get started. The fourth one, I still haven't gotten to the number one, the one we're looking for. The fourth one is like this. The work of New Testament apostles demonstrated today whenever Christians share the love and forgiveness of Jesus with one another. <laughs> yeah, the holy huddle again. That's the holy huddle said in a different way. And to that one, we get 26% of the people responding. Then we come to the, uh, the great and wonderful correct answer which was developed first by a group of archbishops in England and then adopted by the Billy Graham Association and the World Congress on World Evangelization. It is the best definition in Christian history approved and understood by missionaries everywhere. So number one is the task which God has sent every Christian to do in every place, namely to proclaim Christ as Savior, so people become responsible members of the church. That's another way of saying disciples of Jesus Christ. And to that one, 50% of the people got the right answer. So, Many people in the church, certainly not everybody, but half the people in worship in most churches, in the 78 denominations and non-denominational churches that we have worked with, half of these 500,000 people had the idea when it was presented to them more clearly. 
They couldn't think of it from their own experience, but half of them, given these four choices, got it right. Which means that if you want to have a mission-minded church, it isn't rocket science. It's not impossible. It's not that far away. It is possible. And finally, I should say about this particular item on the survey, there were 6% of the people who were just mystified and didn't answer any of them. So let me continue by asking this question. What is the mission on the mission field? And actually, there are three different dimensions of the mission on the mission field. That is the mission field over there, far away, and the mission field in your backyard, among your friends, relatives, neighbors, people with whom you work or go to school who don't yet know Jesus or demonstrate a relationship with him. So what is the mission on the mission field? And in this area, mission teachers teach it in three different dimensions, all added together. And they're easy to remember. They go by the letter P. One P means presence. You have to be present with people. You can't just shout at them with a megaphone or send out a mailing. It's a relational deal. Presence, one P. The second part of the formula is 2P, and that stands for proclamation. Proclamation is when you actually share the Jesus in your heart, the experience of your Christianity, the faith that you practice, the scripture that you read and believe. Proclamation. Add to that 3P, which is persuasion, comes from a Greek word used in the New Testament, pytho, which is a, the Greek word for persuasion. That is the concept of discipling. It also signals that you haven't evangelized, you have not done the mission until a person responds. You aren't finished with your job. You can't just cut and run if a person, you can't stop praying for a person if they are not yet persuaded to be a follower of Jesus Christ and their actions show it. That would include worship and reading the Bible and praying and all those things that you know. So the formula is 1P plus 2P plus 3P equals making disciples. Anybody can learn this. And the key to this is this is not a mission statement, 1P plus 2P plus 3P equals making disciples, is not a mission statement of the church as an institution, but of all the people in the church. And why is that so important? Because making disciples, 1P plus 2P plus 3P, is all about relationships. Relationships are the power. So, most churches and most denominations have as their purpose statement the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, all groups of people, is what the word is. 
And so we ask the question of Christians and churches, what is the goal of the Great Commission? And when we ask that among 500,000 people, 48% did say make disciples of all nations. Not quite 50%, but pretty close. And that means that developing a mission-minded church, at least with half or near half the people, is not that far from reality. We also had choice number two, preach the gospel to all nations, which is a part of it, but not the commitment to make disciples. And 38% of the people responded to that. When we added that the goal was actually not to preach or make disciples, but to teach all nations, that's the third choice, teach all nations, only 9% responded to that. And when we said, number four, that the main purpose of the church is to baptize all nations, only 4% responded to that, and we had another 1% who didn't answer any of them. And so you might understand that the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus said, go and share the gospel with all people, teaching them and baptizing them, and that's the Great Commission. But the ultimate goal of preaching, teaching, and baptizing is to make disciples. And that's the goal of the Great Commission, which was the purpose of that question. So let me ask you this as we close. Is that the goal of your church? If you got all those questions correct yourself, Jesus would say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Is that your goal? Is that the goal of everyone who serves at your church? It can be. And it will change the world one person at a time. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.